You're listening to The Health Classes You Missed. My name is Monica and I'm a secondary school health teacher with a passion for all things health. Whether you're currently at school or you finished 20 years ago, this podcast will help you understand those topics that may have been skimmed over, considered inappropriate or flat out ignored. So sit up straight, faces forward, let's get into it. In today's episode, we will be talking about all things pregnancy. After the menstrual cycle episode that I put up quite recently, this pregnancy episode was requested quite a bit. So this week when I chucked up my poll on Sunday night, you guys mostly voted for this topic. So here we are. In this ep, I'm going to take you through the facts from conception to birth. And then I have a very special guest coming on, my sister Shay, who was recently pregnant and has now blessed me with my beautiful niece, Frankie. She will also be in the background when I'm interviewing Shay as well. So if you do hear any baby noises or other outside noises, it's just her. I'll be asking Shay about her personal pregnancy journey just to give you guys some perspective as I'm not or have never been pregnant. Now I have posted a diagram of a uterus and other internal parts of the female body on my Instagram or I would suggest looking one up so that you are familiar with the parts before listening. I would also suggest if you do kind of want to start from the very start to go back and listen to my menstrual cycle episode from a few weeks ago because that does provide a baseline on ovulation and provides a bit more information regarding that. I'm also super annoyed because I literally recorded the entire first part of this episode and then I realized that my microphone wasn't actually attached and it was just going through my MacBook and it just sounded horrible. So I'm redoing it. So here we are. I'll get started. So we are firstly talking about conception. There's that question of how do you even get pregnant. And if you listen to my menstrual cycle episode, you'll know that it's not just as easy as having sex, which when I say sex, I mean penis in vagina sex. Now, in order for someone with a uterus to fall pregnant, another person must ejaculate sperm into them so that the egg can be fertilized. Now, of course, the egg comes from the female, the sperm comes from the male. But how does this actually happen? Where does the egg come from? What happens? So this happens during the menstrual cycle. Now, a female will release or a egg will be ruptured or burst from the ovaries. That happens every single month, once a month. And this is what is referred to as ovulation. Now, during this time, the lining of the uterus thickens. This is what we call the endometrium. And the cervical mucus thins so that sperm can swim through the cervix more easily. And this is due to an increase in hormones called estrogen and progesterone. As I said, that might sound like a bit of rambling or a lot of words that maybe you're not familiar with. If you didn't listen to the menstrual cycle episode, I talk about that in a lot more detail and this kind of process in a lot more detail. So if you are interested, please go listen to that. Now, this egg, this egg that has been ruptured or burst from the ovaries, this is called an ovum. And this ovum funnels through the fallopian tube towards the uterus. Now, this happens 
for about 12 to 24 hours. And during this time period is when an egg is able to be fertilized. So it does seem like quite a small window. Now basically this just means that you are fertile as a female and your body is saying, here we are, I'm ready, let's get pregnant. Of course, it isn't always that easy and simple. There are many things that can stop or slow down the natural process of getting pregnant. However, I will do a further episode on that as well. So this is what is referred to as the ovulatory phase of the menstrual cycle. Now your body is just preparing for pregnancy. Your egg is waiting there in the fallopian tube if you are a female and the egg is essentially just sitting there waiting to be fertilized. So next big question, what fertilizes the egg? Now this is something called sperm and sperm is microscopic cells that are made in the testicles of a male. Sperm mixes with fluids and we refer to this as semen and it comes out the penis through ejaculation. Now millions of sperm come out but only one makes it to the egg. So that's pretty crazy when you think about it, that there are so many options, millions and millions of options, and only one will make it to the egg and penetrate the egg. Now this is possible because when one singular sperm penetrates the egg, this causes the egg to then become impenetrable for all other sperm. So it's kind of like a little force field is <laughs> kind of happening around the egg once it's been fertilized by one sperm and no other sperm can then get in. If more than one does get in, which isn't very common, the egg will die. It will, you will not be able to get pregnant. No more than one can uh, penetrate the egg for a successful pregnancy, essentially. So once this sperm has penetrated the egg, the egg is now referred to as a zygote. Now, as I said before, this happens during sexual intercourse between a male and a female. So this is when two people have sex, where a male can ejaculate into the vagina of a female so that sperm can travel through the vagina, through the cervix, into the uterus, to the egg that is sitting in the fallopian tube. However, of course, there's other ways that this can happen too. So if there is semen present on maybe a partner's hands or a toy, and maybe that then gets inserted into the vagina, the same process can happen. So that's important to be wary of. It doesn't only occur during sex. If there's semen present in other ways, there is other ways that it can occur as well. Now, it's also really, really important to note that you don't just have to engage in that sexual intercourse on that day where the egg is fertilized for that 12 to 24 hours. And this is because ejaculated sperm remains viable or alive for several days. Now, this is up to five or six days. So you could have had sexual intercourse with someone six days before you are in that kind of ovulatory phase and you can still fall pregnant. Really important to remember, especially for those people who are maybe trying not to fall pregnant. Of course, the most safe way to do that is to use contraception as well. So that's condoms, that's maybe the pill. I will do another episode on all of the different types of contraception for you too. 
But I just thought that was really important to include because I don't think a lot of people, especially young people, realize that. It is, of course, so important that if you are having sex and you are not using any other form of contraception and you don't want to fall pregnant, that you are, number one, tracking your menstrual cycle and knowing when you are in that really high stage of being fertile, but also using contraception as well. That is the safest way to not fall pregnant. So what actually happens if you are pregnant though? We know that the egg and the sperm meet in the fallopian tube. One singular sperm penetrates the egg. That egg is now referred to as a zygote because they are now together. Now this zygote, it begins to divide into more and more cells. Now this kind of forms a ball as it grows. This ball of cells is then referred to as a blastocyst. That word took me so long to kind of get a hold of. I said it wrong about 55 times. So if I do stutter over it, very sorry. It's a very hard word to say. Now, this blastocyst gets to the uterus about three to four days after fertilization. So this doesn't happen all at once. The blastocyst then floats in the uterus for another two to three days before implanting into the lining of the uterus, which we call the endometrium. I talked about that before. And the endometrium is now nice and thick. And this, once the egg or the blastocyst has implanted into the endometrium, this is when pregnancy officially begins. So another big question how do I know if I'm pregnant? Symptoms vary from person to person. And as with most things that I talk about on this podcast, pregnancy is very individual. There are, however, some very common signs. The first one being a missed period. So if a week has passed in your expected cycle and you haven't started to bleed, this can be a sign of pregnancy. However, it can be misleading if you don't have a regular menstrual cycle. So that's really important to take note of as well. Another symptom are tender swollen breasts and hormonal changes can cause this. A third is nausea with or without vomiting. Now this is most commonly known as morning sickness, but it can actually occur at any time of the day or night. And it often begins one to two months after you've become pregnant. Another symptom is increased urination. So this just means you need to wee a bit more than usual. This is because the amount of blood in the body increases when you're pregnant, which can cause your kidneys to process extra fluid that ends up in your bladder, which results in you needing to pee more. And another common symptom is fatigue. So sleepiness and drowsiness can be a sign, but of course, this can be other things as well. Now, some other less common symptoms may be moodiness, bloating, light spotting, which just means that there are kind, it's kind of light blood. It's not a period, but you are experiencing that light bleeding, cramping, constipation. Now, many of these signs, as I said, are not unique to pregnancy. So if you do think you're pregnant, maybe you are experiencing one or multiple of these symptoms, you can go and do a test this is $10 generally from your supermarket or your chemist, a pregnancy stick. You do wee on this stick 
and it detects the hormone called HCG in your system. If you are pregnant, it will let you know with a certain symbol on the screen of the stick and it happens really quickly. So it only takes about 10 minutes or so. Another option is to go to your local GP and get a blood test and this will tell you if you are pregnant as well. So now I'm going to go through each trimester of a general pregnancy and kind of what happens in a very general way. As I've talked about, this is so individual for each person. And when I am kind of stating these facts, this is, as I said, very general, kind of the standard thing that should or can happen during a normal pregnancy. Now, generally pregnancy goes for nine months or a total of 40 weeks. So when I'm talking about the trimesters, I'm talking about every kind of 12 weeks or three months. So the first trimester is from conception to 12 weeks. Now we just covered the weeks kind of one to three. However, when we talk about this nine months or this 40 weeks, this includes when your body was preparing you for pregnancy. So it actually starts on the first day of your last menstrual period and includes that ovulatory phase as well. So that means that fertilization actually takes place at the end of week two. So this whole part counts even though the baby hasn't been conceived yet. I hope that's not too confusing and you're following along. So fertilization takes place at the end of week two. Then by week three, the zygote has divided and migrated from the fallopian tube into the uterus and into the endometrium and is now known as a blastocyst. So that all happens up to week three. So what happens in week four? That blastocyst, what we refer to as a blastocyst at this point, is tinier than a grain of rice. The rapidly dividing cells are in the process of forming various body systems. So for example, the digestive system. In week five, the evolving neural tube will eventually become the central nervous system. So that's our brains and our spinal cord. In week six, we now refer to the blastocyst as an embryo. So now we call it an embryo. It is about three millimeters in length by week six, and it's secreting special hormones that prevent the mother from having a period. So that's that telltale sign of not getting your period. That's because this little embryo is saying, hey, I'm in here. You don't need to release an egg. You don't need to have a period. By week seven, we can find a heartbeat. The embryo has developed the placenta and the amniotic sac, and the placenta is burrowing into the uterine wall to access oxygen and nutrients from the mother's bloodstream. Now, if you've never heard what the placenta is before, this is just an organ that develops in the uterus during pregnancy. And as I just said, it provides oxygen and nutrients to the growing baby, and it also removes waste from the baby's blood. So it attaches to the wall of the uterus and to the baby's umbilical cord. So that's what we're talking about. If you don't know the umbilical cord, it's the thing that's attached to your belly button when you're born. Now in week eight, the embryo is about 1.3 centimeters in length and the rapidly growing spinal cord makes it look like it's got a tail. The head is really large compared to the body. So there's quite a bit going on. 
Now in week nine, the eyes, the mouth, and the tongue begin to form. Its tiny little muscles allow it to move around so it can kind of move around in the uterus in the womb there. And the blood cells are being made by the liver. By week 10, the embryo is now known as a fetus and it's about 2.5 centimeters in length. All of the bodily organs are formed. The hands and the feet are evolving fingers and toes. So it's kind of like it's webbed a little bit. And the brain is actually active and has brain waves by week 10. In week 11, the teeth are budding inside the gums and the heart is continuing to develop. For that first trimester, that kind of conception to 12 weeks, that's a really, really busy part for the embryo, for the fetus, and for all the growing and things like that. The second, so we're up to week 12 now, the fingers and toes are recognizable. The mother may go in for combined screen tests at this time. So this is kind of the blood tests and the ultrasounds. You can also test for Edwards syndrome and Down syndrome in week 12 as well. Week 13, the fetus can swim about and is more than seven centimeters in length. Weeks 14 and 15, the eyelids are fused over the fully developed eyes. The fingernails and the toenails begin to grow. In week 17, the fetus is about 14 centimeters in length. The eyelashes and eyebrows have appeared. The tongue has taste buds. A second maternal screening will be offered around this time. So maybe some more ultrasounds. Between weeks 18 and 20, an ultrasound is offered to check for structural abnormalities and the position of the placenta. The fetus will be about 21 centimeters in length. The ears are fully functioning and the fingerprints and genitals can be distinguished as well. Now, not too much happens between the weeks of 20 to 24. The fetus kind of just keeps developing with what it has. So that is the end of trimester two. Now we start trimester three in the 24th week and the fetus should be about 33 centimeters in length. The eyelids have now separated into upper and lower eyelids. The skin is covered in kind of a fine hair and a waxy secretion. And the fetus starts making breathing movements with its lungs. So between the weeks of week 24 and 27, again, not a whole lot goes on besides just more growing. So the fetus just gets bigger. By week 28, the fetus should weigh around one kilogram and be around 37 centimeters from the crown of the head to the toes. The body should have kind of caught up with the head by now and the fetus looks a bit more in proportion. By week 32, the fetus spends most of its time sleeping. The head should be facing down at this time as well. Between the weeks of, again, 32 to about 35, it's just a lot more kind of growing and resting. By week 36, the fetus should be about 46 centimeters in length. The head should be kind of nestled into the mother's pelvis. And this means that it is ready for birth. The development of the lungs is really, really rapid over the last few weeks as well. Now by week 40, the fetus should be about 51 centimeters in length. It should be ready to be born. It's unknown what actually causes the onset of labor, but they believe it's a combination of physical, hormonal, and emotional factors that kind of occur between the mother and the baby. 
So that is generally what happens in a 40 week or a nine month pregnancy. As I said before, when I'm talking about the different sizes and things like that, once again, it's going to differ so, so much between each fetus and each mother and the experience that each person has when they are pregnant. So say a person has gone through all of that, the baby is ready to be born. What happens then? (laughs) So this is a whole other thing, labor and birth. That's the biggest part essentially of having a baby. This is just the process of your baby leaving the uterus. And this can happen in many different ways. Most commonly, people will experience that kind of two weeks or so before actual labor, the fetus will engage. And that's what I talked about before, where the head settles into the pelvis. So the baby is head down, (laughs) if that makes sense. Now, labor, of course, varies from person to person. It can last for 20 minutes to more than 20 hours, and it can be affected by the mother's health, the mother's age, the type of childbirth, and the number of births the mother has had. Now, in a very standard labor, there are kind of three main stages. So the longest period are the contractions, generally. Now, the contractions of the uterus cause the cervix to progressively dilate. So this is when it's kind of that real tensing feeling. The amniotic sac actually breaks during this time, and that means that the cervix has opened. So when we talk about it breaking or the sac breaking, that's what we kind of refer to as someone's water has broken, if you've ever heard that term before. The second stage can last between a few minutes to hours and hours. And this is the process of the fetus actually passing through the birth canal. So that's out of the vagina. Now this stage lasts until the birth of the baby and the the cutting of the umbilical cord. Stage three is completed within 10 minutes of the birth. And this is when the placenta and other fetal membranes are expelled after the baby is born. And these structures are referred to as the afterbirth. So this whole process is when, you know, you've seen it in movies, the mother is in the hospital and they're pushing and they're having contractions and they're in that kind of pain. That is what generally happens. As I said, though, there are different types of childbirth. So the first can be referred to as natural or unassisted childbirth. And this means that the mother has no artificial support. The labor is spontaneous and there are no drugs used in the process. Another type is assisted childbirth. So this means the labor may be induced or I guess brought upon by the doctors and the midwives painkillers are administered and sometimes forceps or a kind of vacuum device may be used to help deliver the baby or get the baby out of the birthing canal. And lastly, cesarean or C-sections are another type of way that a baby can be born. So this is when a baby cannot be born vaginally. And this can be due to a variety of reasons. You'll hear about one very common one when I talk to Shay. Now this involves an incision being made to the lower abdominal wall and the uterus. And then the baby is actually removed through that incision. Now, of course, this is essentially surgery. So general or regional anesthetic is administered. This can be an epidural or a spinal block. 
And of course, cesareans or C-sections, they can be planned or they can be unplanned. So a mother may go through hours and hours of labor and those contractions and things like that and may end up needing to have a cesarean for various reasons. Or maybe there are reasons that are known prior to the actual childbirth and a C-section or a cesarean is then planned. And that's when you just kind of go in, you've got a day, you've got a time, you go in and you uh, go into that, I guess, surgery and you end up with a baby. (laughs) So now that's all from me in terms of the facts. We're going to move on now to talk to my sister Shay and talk to her about her pregnancy journey, her pregnancy experience, how she felt when she found out she was pregnant, if there was anything that kind of surprised her or maybe something that she didn't know before and now she knows and she can tell me a bit too because of course, as I said, I have never been pregnant. I don't know what it's like. So welcome Shay. Yes. Okay, so we have Frankie here as well. I've already said that at the start of the episode anyway, but she's being a bit noisier than normal. If you hear any devil noises, that's, yeah, that's you in the background. So I've just gone through everything kind of factually about pregnancy and about how it's supposed to go very generally. But now I want to know, like, I want to hear from you because obviously you've been pregnant and I've never been pregnant. So I couldn't really give a good explanation on what it's like to have a baby in my belly. And then, fun fact, Frankie is nine months old today. So you've done the whole nine months in, nine months out. So you can kind of give us a little bit of, I guess, info about how that is as well. So firstly... I guess we'll start from the beginning. So how and when did you find out you were pregnant? Can you kind of go through that with me? Yeah, absolutely. So um, so how we found out we were pregnant, um, there were a few signs actually early on. So I wasn't late yet and most people are obviously late with their period. Um, However, I am such an impatient person. (laughs) Of course, I found out prior to missing my period. Uh, however, I had a few signs quite early on. Um, we were trying for pregnancies. We were trying actively to get pregnant. Um, and so obviously that was on my mind when I was, when, you know, these different things started happening to my body. Uh, so I don't normally get really sore boobs before, uh, I get my period. So my premenstrual, I guess, symptoms don't include sore boobs and my boobs had sort of swollen and they were so unbelievably sore. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just kind of thought, okay, like maybe it's a one-off prior to my period. And then another sign was that uh, I'm quite a routine-driven person and every morning I would have my coffee um, like clockwork. And over the period of maybe four days, I like just gradually couldn't drink to the bottom of my coffee like oh, I that's just, such a weird thing to notice <laughs> it's a really weird thing but when you do something so habitually yeah I think you do notice that change and coffee to me in the morning excuse the hiccups <laughs> uh, coffee to me in the morning is the best thing in the world as, as it is to most people it starts my day off right and so I really noticed that 
that change uh and so then that's when I decided so I had because we've been trying for a couple of months I had you know invested in the expensive um <laughs> in the expensive you know like all, tests and all the stuff. tests yeah, yeah there's such a range you can buy you know your quite cheap ones to the rapid ones to the ones that are supposed to predict it well before your periods do like wow well, I didn't know that see that's interesting I did not know that you could yeah. get different types I thought it was just like it told you yes or no and that's it well I mean <laughs> at the end of the day it does and I although I do think that they do have them now that sort of tell tell you how far along you could be wow so I, I think very advanced yeah yeah so I guess what it does is it, they pick up the hcg levels in your urine yeah um and so if there's obviously hcg detected it comes up with a positive result yeah um and so that's when i i tested it was look i'm gonna say it was probably a few days before my period was due yeah um but i ended up just going and getting a random cheapo test because i'd done so many that i was like oh you know what i'll just i'll get this one and it'll be fine and um if it's not then whatever but if it is then it's just it was just a plain yes or a no stick. Yeah. Um, and it was, I remember it was a Tuesday night. Um, don't so ask specific. me why I remember this. But <laughs> it's so specific. Very specific. It was a Tuesday night. Dan was actually in the shower. Um, yes, we are the couples that pee while <laughs> the other is showering. Really outing yourself. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, Dan. Uh, it's a lot of personal information. Um, but I, he was in the shower and I said to him, I'm like, Dan, I think I have to take this test. And he's like, yeah, like, go for it. Do we? Yeah. Um, and I was quite nervous. And yeah, uh, it didn't take long actually. So there must have been quite a bit of HCG being detected. Yeah. And yeah, it just it it was positive straight yeah. away. Um, and I think Dan got out of the shower and we're both just a bit like, oh, <laughs> oh my god, what do we do? <laughs> but it's yeah, it's yeah. a bit of what do we do? Um, yeah. But it's also even though we were actively trying, we were a bit like. Oh my god, this is actually real. Yeah, it's like, happening. This is happening. Yeah. And while you do want, you know, you want it, it's just such a change. Um, yeah. And from that that moment on, you are forever changed. Yeah. yeah. Your um, focus is on your way. belly. And yeah. Then, yeah. In a great way. Yeah. Crazy. So obviously, you were super happy when you found out you were pregnant because you were trying. Of course, I know sometimes it is a bit more unexpected for some people, and I guess like specifically for people who. I guess maybe younger or maybe it is like that surprise for them. I want to know, cause if I fell pregnant right now, I wouldn't know what my next step will be. Like particularly in a medical sense, like what do you do when you find, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Frank, you just started. <laughs> Good job. That's you're all right. All right. Oh my gosh. It was Frankie doing a little, little pop off. That's fine. So I guess what, like you found out you were pregnant and then you sit there in the bathroom and you're like, Oh my God, this is happening. Then what do you do? Like what, yeah. what happens next? Yeah. And look, I don't think it's exclusively for younger people. Um, yeah. or people that aren't trying. Honestly, I was a bit like, what do I do? And look, I, I'm lucky I've got friends that have gone through it and, um, you know, recently and you can always yeah. lean on your friends, but it, it, it would be hard not knowing. And, and it was for us as well. 
So I just sort of thought, okay, well, I, I guess the next step is doctors. So I booked a doctor's appointment with our GP yep. and got in to see him uh, and basically just went in and just sat down and was like, um, so I think I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> got a yeah. positive test. And so I guess the process from there is they um, really focus on your HCG levels while you are still so early pregnant because they – they multiply and grow so much. So that level of your or your HCG reading um, yep. continues to grow all throughout the first trimester okay. up until the end of that. I okay, there you go, yeah. Um, and so in regards to that, you have a lot of uh, blood work done. So anyone that is uh, a little bit afraid, afraid of, of, of needles <laughs> and their blood tests, because I'm not a blood test kind of gal I definitely don't enjoy a blood test don't like seeing it don't like feeling it yeah all of that but yeah you quickly get over that because <laughs> they do have to take a fair bit of your blood um so they test you obviously the um they'll test you the first time that you go to the doctors and then they'll test you again I, I think it's either a few days or a week it, it's um yeah pretty close they, yeah and they yeah. just they monitor whether or not your hcg levels are going up if yep. they are trending upward, that is that is the main thing. That's that the just goal. Mean, that's the, the viability, I guess, of your pregnancy at the time. Yeah. And then you sort of also have the conversation of when your last period was yep. and what day that started, what day that ended, so that you can kind of get a gauge of when you're due or yep. when you sort of conceived. Yeah. Um, I just talked about that in the, like, factual part because I didn't know that, um, like, prior to researching for this, that – they start it from your last, your first day of your last period, correct? Which is crazy because you don't think like you, you haven't even conceived yet, well, but it still counts. You're not pregnant. Yeah, no, you're not pregnant for like at least like the it's like the two weeks that your yeah. you know your egg is fertilized or something, correct. which is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> which is a really interesting way of thinking about your then due date. So yeah, so then you kind of determine, I guess, what you think um, your gestation is. So for me, actually, we thought that I was about four and a half weeks when I went to see the GP, and I was then sent for a a dating scan. So that's a really early ultrasound to detect a fetus, and it's it can be done internally depending on how far along you are or they think you are. But if they can find find the fetus externally, then they'll just do it externally. So that's um, just like a normal ultrasound, the thing on correct. your belly. And internal means that they put something actually in it's your vagina. Like a camera or like an ultrasound, yeah, piece yep. of equipment that goes up. Um, okay. And yeah, I think, look, I'd, I'd say it's probably a little bit uncomfortable, but, um, you yep. know, you'd want to be able to detect yep. um, something at that point. And yeah, so I had that ultrasound and we could actually see the flicker of a heartbeat. Mum actually came to that one with me. Dan Aww, did it in the so end, which was really quite cute. Um, this first grandchild, so she's very happy she about was it. She very excited. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we saw the little flicker of a heartbeat and the tiniest little jelly baby. Like, and when I say jelly baby, like, wouldn't have even been the size of a jelly baby. Yeah, wow. Like just the tiny, teeniest thing. So how many weeks were you uh, approximately then, do you think? So when I went in, I thought I was seven weeks and I turned out I was eight. Okay. So 
at that dating scan, it's called the dating scan for a reason in that they obviously check for viability. Um, yeah. And so they often will push it out to that seven, eight week mark so that they can see a heartbeat if that's developed yeah. yet. But it's also to determine a little bit more accurately when your due date will be. Okay. And so yeah. that in that regard, like I was, I thought I was seven weeks and yeah. then um, it turned out that I was eight weeks. Okay. There you um, go. And I think... From there, something that is worth mentioning, especially if you go down the public hospital route, yeah. in particular Eastern Health, so there's actually an overwhelming amount of options in which type of hospital care that you want. Mm-hmm. And that's also something that I had no idea about and I really followed my friends' leads on this, knowing what they did. Yep. So there's a program called the Midwife Group Practice um, and that's where you get assigned a midwife to you and you stay with that midwife the whole way through your pregnancy you see them for every appointment and then you also have them at your birth which is a really nice I guess continuity of care that's Um, nice because they're like a a friend for your pregnancy it's just like you get a buddy (laughs) and And they know what they're doing (laughs) me and two of my girlfriends all had the same midwife oh that's Um, so nice I didn't even know that it was coincidental because we you don't get to choose which midwife you get um and so we were just all assigned all three years in a row and all our babies born in March oh so it was yeah I know who it is I don't want to say that Um, yeah (laughs) yeah so that's one of the options for the hospital and for that option you must apply to be in that program and if you google I believe it tells you to apply at eight weeks gestation yeah mind you I left the ultrasound obviously knowing okay I'm now eight weeks I thought I was seven now I'm eight yeah so I better apply I better apply and actually you can apply at any stage. So I would suggest the minute that you find out that you're pregnant to apply, apply yeah. um, because I actually missed out of getting into the program and I then um, sort of got onto a wait list and ended up getting in, which was really nice because that's the that's the care that I really wanted to have um, at the Anglis, which was a fantastic place to birth yeah. um, as well. Which is good for people in this general area as well, I guess, to know that you had a good experience at that particular hospital. I mean, I think it's definitely like the most popular around here anyway. Okay, so now I just want to know, I guess, how your pregnancy was in the first trimester in particular, because I know that, I mean, from what I know, a lot of other people say that's kind of the hardest time. Mm -hmm. And if you have problems and, and, you know, all that morning sickness and stuff, this is when it happens. So did you have to deal with anything like that when you were pregnant? Yeah, I did. I probably started feeling sick around the five, six week mark, uh, which isn't too long after you find out, which is a little bit brutal, especially if you find out a little bit later, you know, say you missed your period and then you check maybe a week later. Yeah. So then by the time you've actually wrapped your head around being pregnant, you then get hit with a wave of nausea. Um, but it's a I, lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Welcome to motherhood. Here's, um, here's a here's... few vomits every day and um, the feeling of just horrendous, horrendous nausea all the time. No, um, look, I paint a dire picture about it, but it's not that bad. Um, I, I do def- remember when you were not feeling yeah, well, though. I didn't. Look, and this is the thing. It's kind of like labor as well. People, you forget. 
and you want to do it all over again. I am not really a physically sick person. It takes me a lot to actually vomit. And so I consider myself probably quite lucky in that I didn't actually vomit at all in my pre- in during my pregnancy. That's great. I, think <laughs> I didn't I, actually have to spew. No, I think I like maybe that over ate once. And like, <laughs> that was probably because you Frankie over-ate. was. Yeah, no, I was overeating. I wasn't. It wasn't from. Um, it definitely wasn't the first time. It was time the cravings. <laughs> Um, but a weird thing, so I wouldn't say that I had any cravings or any massive aversions, but I was really quite obsessed with beige food only. I'm a pretty healthy eater. I love veggies and I, you know, I really love eating healthy, fresh food and all I wanted for quite a long time. I think it was from about five weeks, um, five, six weeks pregnant till I was maybe 11 or 12 weeks. So a good six week stint yeah i just wanted yeah anything beige so toast chips chips (laughs) yeah anything like that any vegetables just i just felt sick at the thought of them did you have any weird cravings yes um what did you eat do you remember i don't don't know so uh, really early on i went a little bit nuts and i was like yes baby i'm gonna buy heaps of bond stuff and i ordered this bond stuff off on like online and it got delivered and I opened the pack and I could smell the smell of like baby clothes or not even baby clothes you know the smell of like new clothes yeah and they just have that smell there's just a certain smell about them yeah so I ended up really hating that smell (laughs) I must have been really nauseous on the day and I opened the, I remember opening the bag of clothes and I just got a waft of new clothes smell and I just felt so unbelievably sick. So So then in my head, every time I saw baby clothes, I'd feel sick. Oh my God. Which was, and I, I was thinking, oh my God, like, is this a is this a real like deep issue? Like what's going on? I couldn't Um, buy any new stuff. You were just like, mum would buy me like new, like baby clothes and little onesies and things. And I would literally be like, thank you. And I'd take them and I'd go hide them in a drawer in the spare room because I just could not even come to terms with the smell of them or even the look of them. That is so weird. But could you look at your own adult size clothes? Fine. And they were fine, even though they were new. Even new ones, yeah. That's so weird. It was like my brain just made this weird connection. I'm sure that that is a very rare, rare side effect and aversion that you get when you're pregnant, but that was one of mine. Um, I also went through a really weird stage of drinking warm water. It couldn't be too hot, couldn't be cold. It had to be like lukewarm. That's such a random... So I would drink. Like, I feel like that's soothing, though. Like it's like. It t- is. Could, did you drink a lot of tea then? Like was it no, tea? Just water. Just water. Like no flavor, and also <laughs> no in flavor sh- in the shower. I would just, I would drink. In the Ew! <laughs> Why are you just <laughs> drinking the shower water? Yes, like that Ew. was the temperature I wanted. That's so. Weird. Is that weird? That's weird. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say ill, but that is weird. <laughs> um, all right, so. I obviously know what the rest of your pregnancy journey was kind of like in terms of how you ended up giving birth to Frankie and everything that happened, but tell everyone how your pregnancy journey was, I guess, for the rest of it in particular, I guess, when you had Frankie and like that end part of it. 
Because yeah. it wasn't normal, <laughs> I guess. The end definitely wasn't normal. And it I wasn't think, what you planned, I should say. I, and look, I, we say not normal in a very light way. It yeah. was completely normal. I'm sure that there's been other people that have gone through similar things. Um, and I think it's really good to note that everybody's experience is always so different. Different, yeah. Um, and really what you plan, um, I wouldn't get too hooked on yeah um and i wouldn't be too certain that 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 you know your plan is gonna come to fruition because <laughs> it's just it's a whirlwind which the is, baby a has a mind whirlwind. of its own <laughs> it does so i guess you know from i guess you know you're sick in the first trimester you can decide to do an ipt test um then you have your what's 12th. your nipt test so that's the chromosome test that okay. tests for different chromosome abnormalities within yep. the, the fetus yeah uh, and then from that test you can actually get your gender or yes. the, sorry not your gender the sex of the baby yeah um yeah, you can, and you can you get didn't. that quite accurately. No, we chose not to. Was there so any particular reason you didn't want to know? We loved the element of surprise. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting because now that I reflect on it, I think we'd find out for the second. Which is interesting because I feel like if I ever have a baby, I will want to know. Yeah. I want to know. I totally Just as a control understand. thing. Like, I don't know. A lot of people said to me personally, um, Shay, I don't understand how you're not finding out being your personality yeah because I'm quite I like to be planned you are like very organized and like you want to know things in advance like I yeah it's and crazy. I'm impatient I'm yeah. impatient as hell <laughs> and so is Daniel actually yeah so for the fact that we both agreed to not find out I the think whole we just time loved, too we loved the idea of a surprise yeah um but yeah I think We've done that now. Yeah. Um, and I can't wait to find out the gender next yes. time. <laughs> <laughs> the next one you will know and we will plan accordingly. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Uh, so then you have your 12-week scan. That is That went really well. Um, during COVID, though, Dan wasn't able to be with me, which was a little bit of a – I think, you know, we were in the middle of COVID and I'm not usually an anxious person, but I think just the fact that we hadn't seen the baby since the dating scan and – you know, a lot happens in that six weeks between yep. your dating scan or however they many weeks. They grow a lot as well. They grow a lot, a lot and going develop on. a lot. Yep. That's often why you're so sick because they're doing such a big development leap and change. Yeah. Yeah. So going into that, I was, I think I remember sitting in the waiting room, just like holding back tears and I'm not oh. a cry. I'm so not a crier. And um, yeah, I just was so anxious and look, the guy, the sonographer actually ended up letting me FaceTime Dan and oh, um, we nice. sort of did it together and, and he was really good because he just sort of, the minute we got in there and the minute he put the um, ultrasound onto my stomach, he said, everything's all good with the baby. And okay. Said, and that's all you want to know though, isn't it? You're going in yeah. being like, tell me everything's fine. Yeah. And and so, sorry, what week is that? That's around generally? 12 weeks. 12 weeks. Yeah. So that's when most people are like... It's my understanding that that's sometimes when people find out if maybe they have miscarried or that there's no heartbeat anymore. Is that yeah. that same kind of time? Correct. Yeah. Because that's kind of the, it's almost like a bit of a make a, or break situation. It's a pivotal there. moment in your pregnancy. It's a big milestone and yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's a little bit stressful. Yeah. Uh, Especially by yourself, all the mums out there who had to go through it in COVID and. Oh, it's not a nice time. pregnant during that time. Yeah. COVID just hasn't, hasn't been kind to pregnant women. No. But that's okay. Um, got through it. Have a baby now. It. It's fine. Yeah. It definitely builds resilience. That's for sure. Um, yeah. And then 
so your next scan's really 20 weeks, but in between that time, you sort of start having your midwife appointments after that 12 week scan and yep. um, you start seeing your midwife um, for all your milestones and different things. Um, you have your glucose test for gestational diabetes and there's a whole range of different things that you sort of go through with your uh, midwife or your obstetrician, depending on what avenue you decide to take with public private. But it is also good to note you can have a private obstetrician within a public setting as well, which yep. I think I'm potentially so what's going the difference to do. between an obstetrician and a midwife? Is there a difference? I believe, um, and look, I'm no medical professional. So <laughs> if you are a medical professional and you're listening, please to this, correct us. Um, no, well, I believe that an obstetrician is actually a trained doctor, so okay. they can perform a cesarean. They can um, perform a lot of different things, whereas a midwife is um, still a trained medical professional, but they're not sort of cutting you open if you yep. need a cesarean or anything like that. So okay. yep. um, yeah, there is a bit of a difference and yeah I think it's so personal preference in what avenue you go down I think we're very lucky to live in a country where we have such fantastic free healthcare. yeah yeah Um, so lucky yeah I think if anything the last year and two years has taught us that that's for sure absolutely okay so of course when you were coming up to I guess giving birth to Frankie and what was your original plan and then what what happened What actually happened? (laughs) Okay, so we enlisted in a private midwife. She was taking us through. So we paid her and her name was Helen. Shout out to Helen. She's (laughs) the most amazing woman. Um, And she's sort of into hypnobirthing as well. So we also did hypnobirthing with Natalie. Yeah. And also shout out to Nat. Um, (laughs) And we absolutely loved it. So, I mean, Dan definitely was just whatever. He was going along with the flow for what I sort of had envisioned for our birth and, you know, bringing our child into the world so wait hypnobirthing is like that more like meditative correct like breathing like state of mind trying and... to yeah okay just to clarify that because I, I didn't know what that was if you want to know what that was just quietly listen to a darling shine episode on that because they talk about hypnobirthing in full yeah it's very interesting it's it's all about yeah being calm and relaxed and bringing your baby into the most relaxed environment and it's beautiful it's really really nice it's not full hippie as as it sounds (laughs) Um, i think people have a bit of a misconception on it yeah uh, yeah, so we did a lot of preparation. I think because I, like you said, I'm quite organized. So I wanted to know what I was going into. You don't know what you don't know. So I just sort of thought I, knowledge is power. I'm just going to, you know, educate myself in the best way possible and um, really prepare us for this vaginal birth that I had planned. Yeah. So we're about 30 weeks and my stomach was measuring a little bit smaller. Frankie was quite little. So yeah. she was measuring a little bit smaller than um, what she should have been at the time. So they sent me for a an extra ultrasound or an extra couple of ultrasounds to just check her growth. It's called a growth scan. So they scan you at one point and at that, on that date, I got told that she was breech. Yeah, um, and what does breech mean? So breech just means... No, um, no. <laughs> breach, breach just means that your baby is not in the optimal position for giving birth vaginally. Yeah. And that didn't really phase me at the time. I just kind of thought, you know what, it's, it is what it is. Babies t- 
turn all the time. They're constantly moving. You're feeling them kick. You're feeling them, you know, do somersaults in your stomach. So I wasn't worried. I'd spoken to a few people actually after I found out she was breech and they had said, oh, like my friend's baby was breech. It turned within a couple of weeks or it turned within a couple of days or it turned. So you had all this like kind of different experiences from other people and you've gone, oh, I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll just flip one day. It's all good. My midwife was also very reassuring and she sort of said, you know, you've got quite a few weeks until you probably need to start thinking about what to do if she's still breech or yeah. the baby is still breech. We didn't know it was a she at the time. And um, yeah, so then the next growth scan came along two weeks later so that they could check the growth of, of the baby. And at that point they were like, she's still breech. Yeah. Um, and so she, she was upside down essentially. So she was her... From bum, what she was supposed to be. Correct. So, yeah. so um, when your baby's in the right position, their head is down in your pelvis. Because that yeah. is the way that they come out uh, vaginally that's and engaging, and engaging. That's, I did talk about that in the first part, the <laughs> engaging. So yes. Frankie was not engaging. She was not. Um, you can still engage. With your tush. With your tush. Yeah, yeah. okay. So her so butt she was, was engaging. She was actually, there's a t- couple of different types of breach as well, just to note. So there's, I think, a footling breach, which means that they're feet are down in your pelvis. Um, and then there's frank breach, which is what... Frankie was. Ironically, Frankie Frankie was Frank Breach. So her bum was sitting in my pelvis and her little legs were up in like, she was like in a V-sit. A V-sit. Almost a V-sit. She she has great abs. Yeah, Um, she actually is very strong corner. So maybe that's it. She was just sitting there in a V-sit and her little abs were just developing. (laughs) Oh, good on her. So her hand was at 12 o'clock. So if you think of a pregnant belly above my belly button sort of a fair way above but the top of my pregnant belly was her little skull you could almost feel it i remember that you, you could, could like shape you, her head and could, that was weird it was it was so bizarre i had midwives that would feel so they they can determine often the the where where the baby is in your stomach based on feel and I remember having a few midwives check where she was and I was just sort of saying oh she hasn't moved don't worry they'd feel her head and they'd just be like oh that's a that's a head that's a head yes and that is right there (laughs) of where it should have been at six o'clock and it was at 12 yeah weird so as I was getting more and more pregnant and she was staying put um we just stubborn yeah uh Dan and I both decided not to leave any stone unturned and we just thought you know what we'll give ourselves the best chance of having a, a birth vaginally by trying to turn this little baby around this stubborn little thing and so that in oh, that just was a process so we First, my my private midwife, Helen, had um, given me a few different positions. Uh, So at night, I would lay on an ironing board. I would prop it up against the couch and I would lay on the ironing board, but with my bottom up towards the couch and my head down at the oh, floor weird so the like idea on a slant. Mm, so the idea around that is to like get the baby's bum like out of your pelvis gra- like with gravity and then and then hopefully Flip. it like will move a little bit in there and it can like move around to where it's supposed to be that i did probably every night there's all these different ones like on you can um get like a blanket and like zhuzh it around your belly you can get someone to st- it's almost like a hoist it was you know <laughs> and so like, i'm just imagine a really heavily pregnant 
girl doing this as well. Trying like, all these weird was, things. It was so unflattering. Um, it just, <laughs> it wasn't my best look. Oh, uh, so good. But yeah, so, and then I tried acupuncture. Yeah. Actual acupuncture lady had then given me moxibustion sticks, which are these ancient Chinese, like they're almost like cigars. They smelt like cigarettes. So you they were st- really strong and like, they were like ginormous cigarettes. Ginormous <laughs> cigarettes. And then you lit them near your pinky toes every single night for 10 minutes every night you sat there with it burning at your pinky toes like the warmth and that, that sounds is, a bit like hippie doesn't it that is the, that's probably the hippiest thing i did yeah. um and look to be quite honest with you though that was the most movement i felt oh. so whether or, like because you're inhaling cigarettes <laughs> No wonder they asked me when I gave birth to Frankie, they actually asked me if I was a smoker Oh no! because my placenta was quite damaged. Cause you'd had all that. I'd had the moxibustion. Those weird Chinese stick things. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So anyway, we tried that. That didn't work. Um, You're not a smoker, by I, the way. I'm not a smoker, no. <laughs> not a pregnant smoker. <laughs> no, no, no. Not a smoker at all. Um, so what we did next is we went to a pregnant pregnancy physio who specializes in, you know, breech babies and the turning of breech babies and had more sessions with them. I then also, they gave me more and more different things to do at home. Yeah. Let's, let's just say we weren't leaving any, so we we gave it everything but the kitchen sink. Like it just was, yeah, everything that we could do. So the one medical intervention that they can offer. Yeah. For um and uh, for a breech baby and to turn them is called an ECV. It's an external cephalic version. Okay, sounds really intense. I would suggest if anyone has a breech baby and they are pregnant and and considering an ECV is to just Google it and read up. And I know my midwife gave me a fact sheet on it. And yeah, so we decided to try that. The first time I went in for the ECV, so an obstetrician does it at the hospital. I'll explain what it is after this first stint. So yeah. I went in to get the ECV and they have to take your blood pressure and things to try and ensure that you're absolutely fine to have this procedure done. I then sat there and the, the nurse just said to me, do you feel, you feel okay? And I said, yeah, 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 absolutely. This is, they've just taken my blood pressure. She goes, your blood pressure is through the roof. It was, <laughs> it was like 170 over 110. Wow. Something ridiculous. And you didn't I even might know that like you had no idea. No idea. I was completely asymptomatic. So I just, and, and so then I had to stay in hospital. <laughs> um, they made wasn't me the plan. stay. That wasn't the plan. Um, so they made me stay in hospital for the night, gave me meds, uh, sent me home the next day. And I was on meds that made me feel awful for the rest of pregnancy. Yeah. And then I started swelling. Um, so classic. Yeah, classic. <laughs> it was summer as well. So that didn't help, but I was swollen. I was on these meds that didn't make me feel well. Um, I had a breech baby that I couldn't turn. So you can imagine all my calmer <laughs> was so- of going out the window at this point not much was going right for me mind you I still had a healthy baby so I think that that overall that is you know the end I'm, goal isn't end it goal that's is really what you healthy want baby but I also wanted to be healthy enough to give birth in whatever way was possible yeah so anyway the next week I we got my blood pressure down with these tablets that made me feel like crap and then we went in, I went back into the hospital with Dan, thankfully. He could hold my hand and they performed the ECV where you go into a room with an ultrasound machine. They check the position of the baby with the ultrasound machine and then yep. externally the obstetrician 
pushes on your stomach oh my God. as hard as they can to try and move the baby. Jeez. Was that painful? So they give you like a muscle relaxant at the start. It's like a just a needle in your leg. And to be honest, I don't really feel like that did much. Yeah. But yeah, it didn't hurt. It wasn't comfortable though. Yeah. Someone's um, like pushing literally on all... Did it make... Like, I feel like you would have needed to like pee. No. Nah, <laughs> like, was it's it like weird, though, on your organs? organs? <laughs> no, organs are in weird places. <laughs> they're, pretty, they're pretty much gone. They're just... <laughs> they're just where they live when That's you're pregnant. So, funny. so they have three cracks at that. Yeah. And Nothing by the third, it did not work. <laughs> and I just sort of put on a brave face and was like, okay, cool. And then um, was the talk of cesarean because I... I definitely had the choice of exploring what a vaginal birth looked like with a breech baby. Yeah. I think personally for me, I couldn't wrap my head around that at that stage. I think I'd been through so much (laughs) at that point um, that the cesarean seemed like, I guess, the safest option. Yeah, Mind you, I also had the conversation with the obstetrician and my doctor and they had recommended that I grow the cesarean due to how high my blood pressure was. Yeah, so you had a lot of different factors that ended up you, I guess, giving birth to Frankie in the way that you did. Correct, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so in a way... I am really thankful that, you know, I had her in the best way that I possibly could. Um, But also I'm thankful that I had the time, I guess, to wrap my head around the whole process of the cesarean. I'd never really thought about it prior to 30 weeks, being 30 weeks pregnant. Yeah. um, Because I had no reason to. Yeah. You just think, oh, this is like my plan and this is, and I guess everything that you see like in the media and like on a movie and this and that, like you don't. They don't do cesareans in the movies. There's like it's a lot not... of stigma <laughs> around it as yeah. well. But I think for me, I guess the positivity around my birth is was second to none. Yeah. Um, I was really shattered on the day that I found out that it would have to be a cesarean. I was actually quite sad about it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I wanted a healthy baby, but I also had a plan yeah. like everyone does and it wasn't going to plan and that's something I couldn't control. However, I started looking at the silver linings. I actually spoke to a few friends and they were so helpful and supportive and reassuring and, you know, I was able to straighten my hair before my cesarean. (laughs) You were actually able to look good as hell because you were just like, oh, here I go. Makeup on. There was no sweating. We got up in the morning. And look, I think also like Dan and I had our last date night the night prior. So yours was super, super planned. Yours was planned to the point where the doctors were like, this is the day. This is the time. Have a, it was on a Tuesday, wasn't it? So Correct. it was like, have a good weekend, do everything you want to do while it's just you and Dan, and then here's your baby on Tuesday. Correct. Which yeah. is just like not obviously like when you're thinking about like oh all the sweat and the tears and the, and like obviously there was still tears and everything when Frankie was born, but it was like it's such it a different planned. way, isn't it? Like yeah. it is uh, not like traditional, I guess, and not yeah. what people think when they no. think of it. But you had a really good experience with it. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, which is so nice. Like that's so nice in a positive way. Um, yeah. And we were able to, Dan and I were able to spend that weekend together yeah. um, and, you know, baby free. And it is a weird concept knowing your baby's birthday. Yeah, that is weird, it's isn't weird. it? Especially when it was, it's she's got the same birthday as Daniel's mum, so that's quite yeah, exciting that's for her. Nice. Um, she knew that prior to Frankie being born, which was pretty cute. Yeah, so then on Tuesday the 9th of March, it was the day after Labor Day, we went into the hospital for our planned 
cesarean. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was able to straighten my hair, <laughs> which was so, in Look hindsight, yeah, it was the last time I've straightened my hair properly yeah. since having <laughs> a <really>. child. <laughs> um, and in hindsight, it was, yeah, it was a really nice morning. We were so excited. We went in. We had a little bit of a hiccup when we got in there as I was supposed to fast from the night prior, which I did. But we got into hospital and it was so busy that I waited until 8 p.m. Yeah. on a Tuesday night. So I had to be on a drip because I hadn't eaten or drank anything. I was starving. starving. And if you don't know Shay, she is like she's the food queen (laughs) she needs a snack at all times i was hungry especially a pregnant day um how dare they no um and but yes i got wheeled in very nervously very nervously to the cesarean and yeah we had frankie it's actually crazy because the whole process is almost like half an hour like until you know until your baby's out then the surgery yeah and that's insane yeah and so what like you've got the baby yeah so So you go in what did you get like your they give you a spinal block so So you can't really feel anything like from hips because you're awake yeah it's from like your neck down oh your neck it's like your parallel oh sorry you can feel your arms but your chest like pretty much your chest downwards is that's so wild i did not know that Yeah, so all the doctors and nurses were actually incredible, like so reassuring. They could tell that I was like a little bit nervous, obviously, and they just were so lovely. They were chatting to me, distracting me. Wow. Um, Just, yeah, I I honestly couldn't have had a better experience. I, you know, had an amazing midwife in there. I had, yeah, the best doctors who were so, so chill and calm and they really set the tone for my Caesar and I just yeah I couldn't have had a better experience that's good so do you have any like tips for people who I guess are like you and did have that plan I know you did say already like kind of a few things that I've gotten is don't hold on to your plan like it's gospel because it's Mm -hmm. obviously as we've talked about anything can kind of happen make sure you've got good support around you and maybe you know can you pick if you've got a midwife and maybe you don't feel super comfortable with them is there the option to go with someone else uh, I believe so yes you can email the head of that MGHP program and just sort of say oh am I able to be placed with another midwife yeah um, yeah that's possible cool yeah but um yeah I think the biggest thing is be kind to yourself because you've just grown a human for the last nine months and no matter what happens at the end you know as long as your baby's safe in your arms and is healthy and you know you've been given all of the care in the world that you need then and yeah, like I think, yeah, I think it, it's, it's hard. I mean, everyone's experiences are really different and you do prepare in different ways. Some people are like, yep, don't really mind which way it goes, but yeah. other people are really quite set on, on the way that they'd like um, to give birth. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll be honest. I really hope that I have a V back next time, which is yeah. a vaginal birth after cesarean. And I'm really going to try for that, but yeah. you know, and so that- that's because I was always under the impression, which I obviously know that now because of your situation, but I didn't think that if you'd had one Caesar or C-section, you could have a vaginal birth after that, but you actually Correct. can, you can, you can So yeah. I always thought if you had one, like the first one, you always had to have a Caesar afterwards, no. but no. no, that's a weird, so that's like a weird myth, I guess, that yes, some weird came myth. from somewhere. Yeah. So that's good to know as well, I guess, is that even if you do have to do that 
your first time, you always have the opportunity to give birth a different way another time. Correct. Yeah. 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 And I think you can strive and prepare. And I think going into your second birth, you can just, you know, you know a bit more as well. (laughs) Just hope that, um, I think something for me as well is that I didn't end up going into labor and that's something that I would love to experience. If I never experience it for whatever medical reason, then that's okay. That's okay, but, yeah. But yeah, that's something that I would love to experience next time. Yeah. Because it is, it's a wonderful experience being pregnant. It's a whirlwind. It goes fast and slow at the same time. Yeah. Um, you feel like you blink and you're about 10 kilos heavier. I think another thing to... Um, another thing to note is I put on like 18 kilos, which is wild. It's so normal though. I mean, I say wild because I just didn't, I didn't know how much weight you put on in during pregnancy. I I know. (laughs) You were only three kilos of it. Thank you. Wasn't that much. (laughs) wasn't, But yeah, you carry around a lot of fluid. So, I mean, you went through all of that. You ended up having Frankie on the 9th of March this year. So she is now nine months today, which is so exciting. How has it been? Like, And how was it at the very start, like when you first held Frankie? Like, that's wild to me. It's crazy. (laughs) It was incredible. So I think it's good to note also that I had a birth plan written up for a vaginal birth. And so that was obviously out the window, but I still took in a birth plan to my cesarean just so that the doctors and the midwives were really aware of, of what I would like as soon as my baby was born. That's um, good. That's yeah. Good and just so that they were aware of what was really important to me and Dan and something that was really important to us was, you know, for skin on skin straight away. So as soon as she was, as soon as she was born, Dan cut her cord and then, um, and then they put her straight on my chest. So she actually did a breast crawl to start breastfeeding. Um, so she actually knew what to do before I ever knew what to do. And we, um, we know that she's your child when she's like, Oh, where's the food? Where's my where's food the milk? At? Where is it? <laughs> Give me that food. Give me the boobs. Yeah. So I guess it's, a really surreal feeling to hold your own child. Also, I guess we were in the state of excitement and shock of what gender we had, which was a girl. And yeah, we just, we were over the moon and she was, she was great. Um, she was perfect. She was healthy and we had no worries with her. And I do miss being pregnant. I miss, yeah, I miss the whole (laughs) process of it. I can't wait to have another baby eventually yeah um whenever that happens i'm like we're here soon soon please (laughs) (laughs) all right well i think that that has been really really good i think people will learn a lot from that especially you know your situation with having a plan and how things kind of changed it and the way that you handled that like i think even watching you from the outside it was just incredible the way that you adapted to it and how you know obviously you felt a certain way about some things but Again, like you've said a million times throughout this episode, as long as as long as she was healthy and happy, that is literally all that mattered. And of course, as long as you were healthy as well and that everyone ended up being fine at the end of it. Because of course, as we've said as well, there's so, so many different things that can happen and it is so, so individual. And I guess, you know, my biggest take from you is like making sure that you do 
I guess, have that support and you do feel comfortable about what you're doing and, and when yeah. you're doing it, whether that is your plan or not, you know, really good to kind of have a plan regardless of what's going on. Yeah. But thank you so much for coming on here and being thank my you. first ever guest. And I'm sure. Thank you for having me. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry that your other uh, special guest farted on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Frankie did a pop off and now she's just sitting there on the floor eating a wooden spoon. She's been very good, really. She's she was a bit noisy, but I'm sure everyone will like that in the back. Apologies. <laughs> anyway, that's the realistic side of being a mum. So <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> that's all for today's episode. I hope that everyone learned something. If you did like this episode, please come and support me on Instagram at the health classes you missed. Otherwise, I hope everyone stays safe and I'll be back in your ears very soon. See you later.